Father, just thank you that you bring words to us to instruct us and encourage us and help us know you better. And I just pray that the words that Heather speaks now are going to be filled with your spirit. They're going to touch our heart. They're going to divide between the bone and the marrow or whatever it is, the flesh and the bone or whatever it is and all of it. (laughs) But I just pray that it will touch us deeply. The word Heather speaks will touch us deeply and that we will grow deeper and closer to you, Lord. want to bring this over. Band, I'm so glad that we did that song um, just now. That couldn't have been a more appropriate lead-in to what I, I think um, is right for me to share tonight. So this month we've been looking at this theme of risk and faith. And the reason we do a theme each month is that we've discovered there's um, these aspects of the kingdom that we need to understand and embrace if we want to experience the kingdom of God and not just know about God. Okay? And this theme of risk and faith is absolutely crucial to experiencing the kingdom. And not just talking about it, but seeing stuff happen. The thing is, our culture is completely risk-averse, isn't it? Risk assessments. We had to do a risk assessment for our um, thing at the village fair on Saturday. Did you know? You know, I had to say, well, the risk is someone might trip over the guy ropes. So we'll put some bunting on it so everyone can see. And I know that there's a place for this. But in British culture now, what we want to do in life is avoid risk, don't we? We do lots and lots of stuff, insurance and prevention of this, that and the other. And the thing is, it begins to pervade our thinking. And I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me when we were singing there tonight that the avoidance of risk will keep us outside of experiencing him. To the measure that we're prepared to embrace risk, that's the same measure that we will embrace the experience of the kingdom. So, um, fasten your seatbelts then, okay? (laughs) Um, So, different people over this month have brought some really good um, words uh, on this particular subject. But um, I just want to kind of do a little bit of a round-up. It's very much a personal uh, perspective on this. And also mix in a little bit of what I feel God is saying to us at the moment. Looking back over different things that have happened over the last week, maybe 10 days. Things that God may be saying to me, but also to us as a church family. Because we really value the prophetic word here. 
some prophetic words were shared with us last weekend when the team from Eastgate were here. And I want to bring some of those before us for us to weigh up because they link in well with this theme, but also what's the point of receiving words if we never actually chew them and do something about it? So uh, it'll be a little bit of a mixture of Bible stuff and some of the things that have been coming prophetically in the last week or so. I was hoping that I wouldn't need my glasses. I've got this new low-tech system for reading my notes where I write it really big. And I thought, I might be able to. I might be able to read it without my glasses. Okay. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So the first thing I, I just want to put in place is when God speaks, he often speaks in a number of different ways to get a point across. Okay? He doesn't just say one thing. Very often he'll tackle it from different angles if he really wants to convince us. And so as I unpack this, hopefully you will see the different ways, different pieces God's put together to um, help get my attention and maybe your attention too. So last Thursday night, um, the this team from Eastgate arrived and we were doing a Bible course thing called Dig In here. And um, the leader, Kim, made a very ordinary point to us, but it's a really interesting and helpful point, and you'll see why as we go on, which was that when we read the Gospels, we should realise that the Gospel writers grouped together stories and parables in clusters which are on a certain theme to make a certain point, okay? So when we, uh, our attention is drawn to a specific parable or story, it's really useful not just to read a few verses around, but a few stories around it because that way we're much more likely to pick up on the main point, that God is trying to get across. Okay, That sounds a bit dry, doesn't it? But you'll see where that's going to fit in a moment. So just remember that. There was a just a simple teaching point, but a helpful one. Like really look at the stories that surround something that, that God is uh, highlighting to you. Then on the Friday, um, one of the team, Diana, who is an artist, she was painting over the side there, if any of you noticed any of her work. She brought to the leaders' gathering in the daytime a prophetic word that she'd actually received from the Lord and written down before she even came here. So she asked the Lord for a word before she knew us, before she knew about our situation. And she very humbly submitted this word to us. So I'm going to read it out exactly as she wrote it so that you can hear. And she said, I see a young tree in springtime bursting into new life. The leaves are just coming out and they are a bright lime green colour. Everything about it is fresh and vibrant and full of life, energy and expectancy. 
The tree is pregnant with promise for the future. It's planted in a good place with plenty of space to grow big and strong and tall. It's open to the sun and rain so that it can receive everything it needs to grow and its roots go deep into the earth, making it secure against strong winds that blow against it. And then she writes, I feel like the tree is this church and God is saying that everything is prepared for a powerful ministry to grow in this place. So she sows in this prophetic word about a tree. Okay? And then also that afternoon, we took a group onto the uh, land that we're hoping to buy at Area F for a prophetic or prayer walk time there. And out of that time, Mandy then came back on the Friday night and started this work of art. Oh, there's a tree. And it's about a lot more than that. And Mandy did unpack some of that for us. But what had happened was when we went for the prayer walk, she had noticed amongst all the debris, I mean, it's shockingly awful looking up there at the moment, amongst all the debris and all the massive trees, her eye had been caught by one particular tree, which was a beautiful flowering cherry. Is that right? And that God got her attention through this particular tree. In amongst this picture, there is a theme of glory coming down, which I'll come back to in a minute. Also in that prophetic afternoon on the Friday, Kim um, took her courage in both hands and said, well, I've got a prophetic word for you, but I feel a little bit silly giving it to you, but I, I can't escape it. And so here goes, I'm going to tell you it. And it's the words of a well-known S Club 7 hit. <laughs> Reach for the stars. Do you know that one? How does it go? Reach for the stars. Reach for the stars. Yes. And it's about dreams come true. And in the lines it says, and, um, you've got me and I've got you. And it was just a real encouragement to dream big and to really go for it. To reach for the stars. And so, there we go. I'm just pitching these things in because I think as a family, we need to listen to the prophetic voice and see what that's urging us to do. You know, reaching for the stars is a risky business. It's much easier to reach for something that's within reach (laughs) rather than to reach for the impossible But it's a call to our family to not be risk-averse, to be proper Christians, because no disciple of Jesus ever would have thought life following him would be safe or comfortable or without risk. So 
then the next day, on the Saturday, oh, this was so encouraging. We did this um, outreach thingy at the, the village fair in Lichet Matravers. And um, I made it possible for people who wanted to take a little bit of a risk and step out with the team to do some uh, prophetic evangelism, treasure hunting, blessing, loving on people to, to do it. And um, I was really pleasantly surprised how many of our family stepped up to the mark and how enjoyable it was <laughs> um, and how many connections happened but that's an aside what happened for me um, in this journey that I'm trying to steer us through now was that um, part of our stall we had a table with little postcard sized pieces of um, hand-drawn art on and they were just stuck down with little bits of blue tack because it was windy and people who came along started to just look browse at these these pictures and um, they were free giveaways but there would be a couple of us sitting one side doing uh, live drawing and art and another person standing the other side to engage someone in conversation we'd say does one catch your catch your eye and often people would say, well, actually, yeah, this one, but I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> and we would say, it's all right, you can have it. And on the back of it, on a number of them, we had uh, pre-written words of encouragement, little prophetic words, but some were blank. And there was one particular card on there when I was sitting there at the table, which was a, a piece Mandy had done, which was a... Um, it looked a bit like a pearl in an oyster shell and this, this young woman had come up and this was the one that caught her eye and as I started to engage her in conversation about this I was able to say to her have you ever heard there's a, there's a well known story about a pearl of great price have you ever heard of it and she hadn't so I got to tell her the gospel story of the pearl of great price. And if you've got a Bible, maybe you would like to look up where that is. And I think you will find it in Matthew 13. If you haven't got a Bible, there's a stack of spare ones over there because I'd quite like you to actually scan your eyes over the whole chapter, bearing in mind what I said at the beginning. Um... Where is it? Oh, yeah. Uh, around about verse 45 of Matthew 13. So I got to tell her this story. And it was just as I got to the end of the, a shortened version of the story of the Pearl of Great Price. I felt like the Lord say, you know, she's my Pearl of Great Price. She's my treasure. And Jesus said, to convey to her that he'd left everything behind to find her. He paid the highest price he could to find her and that she is his treasure. Uh, and that w there was a moment where I could really feel the Holy Spirit and I knew that there was something more than just 
that little encounter. All right. Moving on through the week, and I'm doing this on purpose because, you know, some people sometimes say to me, oh, I don't hear God. And so I'm just breaking down for you some of the ways I hear God and how it all begins to piece together in the end to something that I know he's saying to me. All right. Later on in the week, I'm in a prayer meeting and then a, a meeting, another sort of discipling meeting as well. And, a, and another prophetic word came about clearing space for a tree. And the passage in John 15 about the vine growing and pruning and branches coming off. And again, it's again another sort of growing thing image, isn't it? So I looked up Matthew 13 and I thought, oh, yeah, Kim said, read round all the stories there. And suddenly in there you realise we've got the word about the seed and the sower growing something. We've got a parable of the weeds, another growing something. We've got the parable of the mustard seed growing into the biggest tree in all the garden and being able to give shelter to the birds. Again, a tree thing in there. Um... We've got the parable of the pearl and the hidden treasure and the paying of the price. We've got all those things in one particular passage. So I thought, oh, they're grouped to make a point. Being a good student from my digging class, what point are you making, God? And I suddenly began to be aware that they illustrate the kingdom culture of risk and faith. God's risk and faith and then our risk and faith. Because that particular story of the pearl of great price you can interpret either way round, can't you? You can look at it as God saying, you're my pearl of great price and I'm selling all to get you. But the most common way of interpreting it is when we discover Jesus or the, the good news of the gospel, it, he is to us the most valuable thing and we need to really, you know, put... Everything to one side to embrace him, to buy that field, to get that treasure. Okay. So let's look at this kingdom culture of risk and faith. When you bear in mind all those stories, you begin to see that God takes risks with us. He takes the risk of scattering seed into all sorts of lives, all sorts of ground, all sorts of mess, all sorts of faultiness, all sorts of frailty, all sorts of problems, doesn't he? He's sown it into us, for example. Okay? 
He scatters it lavishly and it seems indiscriminately because the Bible story of the seed and sower there in Matthew 13, it goes on what sort of ground? Hard ground, rocky ground, one with brambles and weeds, and then good ground. Well done, yes. Okay. But he doesn't look at the ground and go, oh, well, it hasn't got a chance there, so I'm not going to bother. He sows it into our lives, whatever. And he takes the risk of sowing it, even into the hearts and minds of risk-averse British culture people like us. Because he's got faith in the power of that seed. Because in the other story in Matthew 13, he says, you know, that even that tiny seed, if it gets into the ground, it will grow. It will grow. It will grow big and it will grow strong and it will provide something. It will fruit, it will provide shelter, it will, it will really be something. Okay, so the risk is that he sows it even in poor ground like me. And the faith he has is that if just one little bit gets into my heart, if one little bit gets into the soil of my heart and I really believe it, really embrace it, then something powerful is going to grow. Okay? But I also said that um, this is about our risk and faith if we want to get hold of kingdom stuff. And so I'd love us to think just for a moment about the story of the treasure in the field or the pearl of great price. And when you heard the gospel, when you heard that Jesus died for you, when you heard that there was forgiveness of sin and you could get rid of your guilt, when you heard the good news, what might you have sold, in inverted commas, to gain this? What might you have given up to embrace Jesus, because there surely must be a cost in everyone's lives. Some people, it's much more obvious than others. To embrace Jesus in a Muslim land, people know they may be giving up their own families, their home, their livelihood, their reputation, everything. But for us, in our culture, there's stuff that Jesus will be calling us to give up to. Because in our comfort, there's stuff that gets in the way of us fully following him. And fully getting hold of the kingdom. It may not be oppression and fear or danger. It might be comfort and money and independence. That's the stuff that we need to sell 
to get the field, if you see where I'm coming from. So have a think for a moment, because Jesus does make it clear that to follow him, we need to deny ourselves and take up our cross to follow him. So if there's never been any of that in our lives, maybe we need to ask ourselves the question, perhaps he's been asking and I've not really been aware. Because he's only doing it so that we can get more of the kingdom. Because we'll only grasp it to the measure that we're prepared to embrace risk and faith. So, let's come back to the tree thing for a moment. And I, I know that um, this isn't a real logical <laughs> talk, but I'm hoping that with the different things embraced in, maybe the Holy Spirit will say something to you. So, coming back to this tree that Mandy drew, this may not have been her initial interpretation of what it's all about. But you can see that it's surrounded by many other trees, but it, it stands in a clearing. And space has been made for that to grow. And there's the possibility of glory coming down. And even on some of the branches, if you get up close, you will see it's been touched by gold, touched by glory. And this particular image, mixed together with some of these scriptures and words coming through the prayer meetings this week, has really spoken to me. Because in that parable of the seed and the sower, one of the things that... Um, prevents the full growth of the seed to a tree is something called the brambles and the weeds and the briars. You know, the third example in the list. What does Jesus say in that passage that's in, um, representing? Cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches. Two things that can stifle the growth. Cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches. And that doesn't just apply to very wealthy people. Money, mammon can have a very strong grip on us even if we don't have much. Okay? And I say, especially if we don't have much, because it tends to grab our attention more. So, um, what's the message, or one of the messages that God's trying to get through to me? It's this, that if I really want to see the glory come down on my life, I need to clear space to let that one thing grow. My relationship with him and the call on my life. 
And that's what I really want to say to you tonight. You know, if we really want to see the glory come down in our lives to display his glory, every single one of us has a unique and specific call that we need to nurture. We need to nurture our relationship with him firstly and then our call or ministry or what you're supposed to do. And that takes clearing away of the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. That needs us to take an initiative and take some risk to say, I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket, all my hope and faith in the kingdom manifesting in my life. I'm not going to add God into my life as a little interest on the side. I'm going to go after him with everything I've got and make sure that the cares of this life, the busyness of life, I'm mastering it and it's not dominating me so that I've got created space for this to grow. My relationship with God and the call on my life. Because I'm supposed to display his glory. I'm supposed to display his kingdom. And I will never do that if I won't take the risk of cutting away some other stuff that could sap energy from this. In the story that Jesus told in John 15 to his disciples about the vine and the branches, he says something that really surprises me in those first few verses. Jesus says, And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, my Father cuts off, removes. And then every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So even Jesus is saying, I think, if I understand that rightly, that he knew what it was like as a man to have stuff in his life that the father had to remove because it wasn't going to bear fruit to his call. He could have made a very nice living as a carpenter <laughs> or something. I don't know what, you know, I'm, I'm Joking now, I'm playing around with that. But he, when the time came to it, was ruthless in his focus, wasn't he? To fulfill his call. Starting with a baptism and a 40-day fast. That's focused. Because what... God is saying to us as a church is you're a young tree that I really want to grow big and strong to display glory but make sure you tend to the ground you don't let what I'm doing get choked out by other stuff and that you're ready to take the risk of Putting all your chips on the table that I'll come through for you.
by reaching for the stars, and so on. So here's the question for you. Ask yourself, what is this tree for me? What is the thing God's calling to me at this phase, calling me to in this phase of my life? What does he really want me to focus on? And for every single person, it will be a different thing, I imagine. But if you don't know what it is, how can you clear away space around it if you don't know what it is? So I feel it's a really important thing for us as church family to understand, yes, it's my relationship with God, but remember it was the second thing as well, what I'm called to be and do, where I'm supposed to put my energy, where I'm supposed to put my focus, where I'm supposed to invest my time. Really ask the Lord what that is. Because then we need to cooperate with him to the pruning and the chopping away. And we need to make really good choices about our time and space. Because lots of things draw energy, finance, affection. Some of them are good things. But sometimes you can have given so much into other things that you feel you've got very little left for the one thing. To me, it seems that there are two main dangers in, in the church, in the body of Christ. One is for the keen people to fill every moment of every day with good stuff that, that, that they're about. So much so that that beautiful tree's in there, but there's, there's you know, half a dozen other things all taking the nutrients of the soil as well. And none of them particularly thriving. The other danger is for the not-so-keen ones, actually not really dealing with the uh, culture of the day, which will fill us with the worries of this life, the stuff we've got to do, and the deceitfulness of riches. Never taking the risk of taking that in hand. And wondering why we don't really ever experience the exciting stuff of the kingdom. Because of one danger or another, one pitfall or another. Okay. So, I've finished on the bad news of that now. You might be relieved to know. But it is a serious challenge to us. And this is what I feel God is saying to me personally And I wanted to put those verses, those images, those prophetic words before us as a family to weigh up as well. So, 
as you just think for a moment on this, our response is always going to be repent and believe. Whichever way round, whichever those dangers we might err into more, it's always going to be think a new way about this. That's what repent means. Get a different mindset and set than you have had or I have had. Change your mind and go after what's really, really important. Okay? And believe that as we do put all our chips in the middle of the table, as some people call it, or all our eggs in one basket, or all our hope in the Lord, that as we take that risk and we step out in faith to clear ground in our lives, that we will indeed grow the things of the kingdom, display his glory, and bear much fruit, showing ourselves to be his disciples. Amen. Shall we pray? Would you like to stand for a moment? Holy Spirit, I'm hoping that you will be able to take the uh, few loaves and fish that I've brought in the basket of this word tonight and cause something to land that is good bread, good food from heaven into each person's heart and mind tonight. Please take away anything of me that would not be helpful. Blow that away like chaff, I pray, Holy Spirit. But let the weight of good word seed fall into hearts and minds tonight. Give us grace not to just walk away and forget, but to do something about it. To change our minds and go for gold. To prioritise our relationship with you and to put our energies into the main thing. (laughs) The main thing. And give us a grace, Lord, because some of us hardly know how to do that because of the culture we live in. We ask that you would show us your ways to chop away that which would choke what you've planted in us. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. Would you come and help us as we take (laughs) the secateurs or the axe to those things, Lord? I bless each one of you tonight to be given new ideas, a new way of looking at how you invest your time, your money and your energies so that you can get the pearl of great price, the kingdom of God manifesting 
in your life to greater measure. In the name of Jesus, Amen.